to I want to oh, give a little bit of uh, okay. s- the structure of the Jewish calendar. Okay. Um, you know, uh, everyone here has heard of uh, Ramadan. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually not in the Jewish calendar. Mm-hmm. It's in the Islamic calendar. Yeah, it happened last night. It's just started. Just started. Ramadan just started. It's a month of fasting, and thank God we know we talked about so Jewish fast. So let's something. In Jewish fast, we talk about Jewish fast. We don't have. We have one fast, and that's it. And then there's like, you know, eight months off, and even another fast. <laughs> but in Ramadan, it's not like that. Um, but, but but it's not. It's not like a 24-hour fast. Right. Right. I I don't want to delve into. It. I want to bring a specific point about about Ramadan and differentiate the Islamic calendar from the Jewish calendar. Mm -hmm. We have a lunar month. Lunar month, which means that every month, Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev, Teves, you know, Shvat, Adar, these are all names of Hebrew months. Nisan, Er, Sivan, Tammuz, now we're started Av, right? Menachem Av, and Elul. These are are Hebrew months, and these months are governed by? The moon. moon. How long is a lunar month? 28 days. Anybody else? 20, 29 days 29 and a half days means 12 hours 29 days 12 hours 44 minutes and 3 seconds okay hold on relax 29. relax okay. okay 29 days 29 and a half days 29 and a half days plus 44 minutes and 3 seconds 12 hours how do I know that number 44 seconds no minutes. Four, four, 44 minutes and 3 seconds how do I know that number because that is actually what it says in the Talmud. Uh-huh. It says to the to uh, <laughs> an hour in the Talmud is split up into a uh, thousand and eighty parts, right? Every part's three seconds, right? Okay. Uh, right. Every hour is hour hour is thirty six. Um, you know, is, is three thousand six hundred seconds, correct? Okay. Sixty yeah. times okay. sixty, and an hour in the Talmud is actually not split into seconds. It's split into Portions and each portion is three point three seconds, right? A little more than three seconds, and that is and there's there's a, a thousand and eighty of them. It's called chalakim, means portions. And the Talmud tells you exactly how many hours and how many days and how many portions are a lunar month. And this is written, you know, fifteen hundred years ago. Oh God! So that's what we know. Uh, and and our months follow the lunar, <laughs> the, the lunar um, calendar. Calendar. Now, if you were to take twelve months, fifteen hundred years ago. Well, it was written in the Talmud, yeah. It was written in the Talmud. That's that yes. Just well, that's when it was written, that the, the, the document's that's, written. Okay. I mean, the Jewish wisdom has been, you know, since Sinai, but right. the, the actual, uh, you know, mm-hmm. codifying of the Talmud was written 1500 years ago. Now, if you were to take 29 and a half and multiply it by 12, 12 months, right? Anybody has a quick calendar or a quick calculator in their brain? No, but I twenty nine and a half times times twelve, twelve months. Hold on. So twenty nine and a half is twenty nine and twelve hours. Three hundred. That's three hundred fifty four. Three hundred fifty four days. Three hundred fifty four days. So yes. And then we got forty six minutes times. Okay, whatever. It's a it's it's, it's roughly three hundred and fifty four days. Now, how long is a solar year? Three sixty five. Three sixty five and a quarter. Right, because right, of the leap year. You're right in the quarter. You're it's right. It's a quarter. Right. So every four years you have another day. Right. Right. It's a little bit less than a quarter. That's why every hundred years you don't have an extra day. Uh, but this presents an tr- interesting discrepancy. If you have a, a lunar year, yeah. every year you're losing 11 days. Yeah. So every year, Ramadan is 11 days earlier in the solar year. Okay. So every year, the time when Ramadan starts mm-hmm. is 11 days earlier than when it started the previous year. Okay. So this year it started in July. Mm-hmm. Next year it's going to start at the end of June. And then it's going to be the uh, 20th of June, the year after, and then the, the 9th of June, right? And then it'll be in May. Every year, right? Every 354 days starts the new Ramadan because it's 12 wait, months. Wait, but wait a minute. Are right? they also in the lunar calendar? They're, lunar, they're a lunar calendar like we are. No. Well, yeah. they're, they're a lunar calendar like we are. So does that mean that Ramadan and Rosh Chodesh is at the same time? of uh, the uh, It's always like that, right? Always. Exactly. We just had a recording two it's days ago, it's right? It's not always Av, though. It's not Av, right. Because there we have leap month. 
Right. So I, I always want to give everyone a picture of how what happens. So every year Ramadan starts eleven days earlier. No, that's interesting. I always it's, wondered why it didn't seem like it was falling on the same time of year. Exactly. This year. So now, <laughs> it, now it's like the past couple of years yeah. they've been summer Ramadans. Ooh, there are times good. when they're winter Ramadans. Uh-huh. Right. Because the way their count, the Islamic calendar works, it's just a lunar month, and it's not adjusted for a solar year. Uh-huh. Okay, now ours, we have a pasuk in the Torah. The Torah says that Pesach has to always fall out in the beginning of spring. Mm-hmm. Beginning of spring. And that is why we have um, our, our, um, our system, the way it works, is that we adjust. We have two others, and we adjust that every couple of years we have an extra other and that offsets that offsets the amount of, of time we lost in the uh, following the solar the following the lunar month and we're able to keep the solar the, the lunar month and a solar year. But is it those ten days or is it twenty nine okay, days? How does it work? Very good. How does it work? So now take nineteen what happens over every nineteen years? Every nineteen years, nineteen times eleven. What's nineteen times eleven? Two hundred and nine. Yes. Every 19 years, we lose 209 days. Jewish right? or... Uh, Jewish. Jewish. 19 years. Okay, hold on. And every year, we lose 11 days. Every year, we lose 11 days. Right, that we have to make up. The Jewish calendar. Jewish calendar. So every 19 years, we lose 11 days. 11 days every year, so that's a total of 209 days. Okay, 11 secular days. Yeah. No, just days. Okay. Just days. <laughs> so... And now every 19 years, we have seven months of leap years. What's seven times 30? 210. Every right? 19 years, we have... Seven leap leap years. Seven leap years? Yeah, leap years, which means an extra month, an extra other. Every 19 years, we have... Hold on. So seven... So it's 19 divided by seven. We have one no, 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 no. extra... Yeah, I'm sorry, I should do that again. Every 19 years, every we have 19? seven. Out of every 19 years, there's always seven of those years that are leap years. Leap years means they have two others. So every two and a half years, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes it's two years, sometimes it's three years. Yeah. Is everyone, anyone with me? Yeah. But don't we pick up a, a day or so because of the minutes? Well, yeah. So, so, so it ends up being 210. 210. Right, because it's a, if you def, if you multiply forty six times twelve, you're at five hundred and fifty two additional minutes, right, which that's picks up about a day. Right, right. So that's why that's why I said it's it's two hundred and nine, but yeah, plus yeah. the minutes is two hundred and ten. <laughs> so that way, every nineteen years, you have to make up two hundred and ten days, and therefore, every nineteen years, you have seven months, and each month is thirty days. So it's a total of exactly two hundred and ten days. Boy, you're so smart, dude. Well, it's it's not my. Well, I didn't come up with this. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's okay. exactly it. Rabbi, is this gonna be somewhere that we can? Yeah, yes. Yeah. This okay. is on rabbitwalby.com. Available for for all with the internet connection. So I say it's you know it's, it's very simple. Every year we lose eleven days. Yes. Right. Yes. With to make up those eleven days, we do it with extra days, extra others, so, and, and therefore every two or three years we have an extra 19. an extra month, right? And and it's, it works in nineteen year blocks. And every nineteen years, we have seven months. So, so every nineteen years, we have two hundred nine. Or two hundred ten. Two hundred ten days made up. Because you have to count into yeah, the, count in the extra minutes. It's two hundred nine. It's a little more than two hundred nine. Every four years, you, get you have an extra, extra day. day. Exactly. But here, yeah. right, yeah. here, every nineteen years, you need an extra two hundred ten days. Is that other one or other two? It's either two. Uh, no, the other one. Because we, because Purim. Other so one is the leap one. You want to know which one's the extra one? That's a good yeah. question. If you have two others, which Purim one's the extra one? Purim's always thirty. Purim's always on one month before Pesach. Right. So I, I, they're both others. I don't know which because one. Because I, I am other one. So oh, well, my I son's also born. In, yeah. Well, you were born in a leap year. Yeah. No, if it's other one, you were born yeah. in a leap year. Yeah. So my, so my birthday is every seven years or something. No, no, your birthday is other. Every two and a half. Other when there's two others, so then you're other one. Okay, got it. This is the way, by the way, it's possible to have twins. It's a trivia question. You have twins, Jewish twins, and the older one, the one who was born first, will have a bar mitzvah after the younger one. 
how would that be? If let's say the children are born on a leap year, mm-hmm. and the older one is born on the 30th day, the last day of Adar 1. Mm-hmm. A few minutes later, his brother is born, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, on the first day of Adar 2, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now, they could be bar mitzvah, and their bar mitzvah might be a, a year that does not have a leap year. So one child, the younger child, his bar mitzvah is on the first day of Adar. The older child, his bar mitzvah will be 29, 29 days later on the 30th day of Adar. It's a nice, uh, cute little trivia question. Uh, why, why is that all this? I'm sure it's happened, but yeah. Well, then you've got Shkia to play with too, right? Right, right. So yeah, assuming one was born before Why is the oldest really? having it afterwards? Because the, old, the older one was born on the 30th day of Adar. Now, indeed, it was the Adar 1, yeah. But that only matters. He's born. Thir- it only matters if he was actually uh, if the bar mitzvah year was a year that was actually a, a, uh, a leap year. So that's that uh, uh, nice. Okay, uh, don't go through that, Rabbi. <laughs> now I want to say another point here. If you are Muslim, which none of us are, but if you are a Muslim, every thirty-three years of your life, you actually have thirty-four Ramadans. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Because keeps every, every year gets 11 days earlier. Every year gets 11 days earlier. So once you've lived 33 years, right? 33 times 11 is 360, uh, 363, basically. Right? So 360 means that you've lived a whole nother year and a whole nother Ramadan. So they love the winter Ramadan. Yeah, I'm sure they love the winter Ramadan. Yes. <laughs> Now they deserve that. Anyway. So that's so that's how we keep our calendar. Oh yeah, they deserve they deserve four Ramadans. I know when I was in Israel and we had Arab workers, Muslim workers in the yeshiva that I was in, and they were eating no problem. It was Ramadan. I'm like, dude, it's Ramadan. It's like, I'm secular. All that means is like, don't get a picture of this, or else I'll stone me in my village. But, but, yeah, 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 there were. I I met people there in Russia last summer, and it was dark at twelve o'clock at night. But we didn't have Shabbat at twelve o'clock at night at synagogues. We it's possible. Well, that's that's because um, you're allowed to make Shabbat early. When Shabbat, Shabbat has to end at the at the at the at the at the at Shtia or after Shtia. But there was only four. You go to Shabbat. Dark. You go to huh? Shabbat for nine. That's why it's that's why it's not a good place to, no, <laughs> to be. I mean, it was really. I don't know. You could have your Shabbat day. last nine hours, couldn't you? The, the evening service. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, your Shabbat could last. Could last thirty-five hours. Or in yeah. the winter. Uh, no, you can't have Shabbat in the winter. It's all dark. No, you have four hours of light at least. Just well, like you have four maybe. hours of dark. So to go, at to least go to Russia Russia for Shabbat, <laughs> go in the winter. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to I want to say another important point about Jewish calendars, uh, and that is that the Romans, when the Romans were making, uh, we talked about it in the history classes, when the Romans were making laws against Jewish practice and observance, one of the things that they targeted is the Jewish calendar. More specifically, the sanctification of every new month. Every new month, uh, the, you, you, go to Beit, you go to Yerushalayim, you go to Beitin, right? And you make the new month. And that starts, all the, all the practice of the new month starts from when it's declared to be a new month in Jerusalem, right? And all Jewish observance, right? When is Rosh Hashanah? So we have a calendar now because we have the science to figure it out. But back in the day, what, Rosh Hashanah is 10 days. I'm sorry, it's, it's 30 days after Rosh Chodesh Elul, the beginning of Elul, and when's Yom Kippur? Well, how do you know? You don't. You don't have a, forty days. You don't. You don't know. You have to wait till it's declared. Ten days after it's declared to have a new month, and so all of Jewish practice really revolves, or a lot of Jewish practice revolves around the calendar. So you 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 stop the Jewish link to the calendar. You make another major barrier in the Jewish link to Jewish practice. And the calendar we have today is from one of the. Uh, the presidents it was one, one of the hills, I think, uh, who established a a, uh, a calendar, you know, for for millennia 
uh, or a formula that we can figure out cal- calendars without without coming without uh, you know because he recognized that there would be a time where the the Jewish court would not be allowed to be in in session and people would have to know these important uh, mm-hmm. you know times and dates and etc. Because you know. there was a big game that they went to. Yes, in Jerusalem. So much so that it was so, it was such an important thing that if someone saw it on the other on the other end of, of uh, someone saw it on the other end of. Of Israel, he was allowed to drive on Shabbat. He was allowed to be mechalal Shabbat in order to in order to go uh, to go uh, testifying from the court. Very complex laws about Hidush Chodesh, about uh, sanctifying every month. Exactly, and all these models of, of what it looked like, what you know, the month. You know, the, the, at the beginning of the new month, all you have is a tiny sliver. Mm-hmm. Right. What changes from one month to that month is the direction of the sliver. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like this one second, and one second later, it's like that. Right, so it's very complex laws, and you know, uh, it, it, but but this is very important. It's very important, very crucial for Jewish practice. So it even supersedes uh, Shabbat observance. Interesting. Okay, so now, so that's uh, two things I wanted to talk about. A third thing is, I'm sure I don't know if it was, was was mentioned or not, and that's the idea of 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 how how we view time. We don't view time as. Uh, as something that passes by us. Rather, the time, we view the time as being stationary and us passing through time. That's the Jewish... That's the Jewish idea. Now, what does that mean? Let me explain what that means. What it means is that certain times, especially times like certain holidays, they are like stations of certain spiritual entities. So like a Shabbat. When we have a Shabbat, Shabbat means we pass by... We pass by, or we go through this spiritual entity that's called Shabbat, right? Think of it as uh, think of it as as a bus stop, right? Mm-hmm. We pass by the bus stop, and we go through the bus stop, mm-hmm. right? The bus stop is stationary. We're the ones that are that are in motion, and that and these 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 stations that you know it's points in time. It could be a Shabbat, it could be Pesach, mm-hmm. right? They are they contain the spiritual elements of of that holiday. Of that day or that holiday, and and the idea being is that when we when we celebrate a Yom Tov, when we celebrate a holiday, it's not merely a memorial to whatever event happened. It's much more than that. It's reliving the same spiritual experience that happened then. So, if Pesach, uh, the the holiday of Pesach, created a spiritual entity that we can revisit every year, every year we come back to that same spiritual existence. And the same spiritual elements of the original Pesach. Okay. What you got? Can we go back to Rosh Hashanah for a minute? Yes. Okay. It's my understanding that certain Rosh Hashanahs are one day, whereas others are two days. Yeah, it's because because remember, it's twenty nine and a half days, right? Twenty nine and a half days. So sometimes it'll be twenty nine, sometimes it'll be thirty. How do they determine which got one day and which got complex two days? laws? But whichever ones were thirty were thirty, whichever ones were thirty got two days. Right, the thirtieth day of the previous month and the first day of this month, and whichever days were twenty-nine days, were only one. It had nothing to do with sanctification of season. Well, that 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 that's that that no. You, you see, every time there's the previous month is is a thirty-day month. Jewish months can only be thirty and th- thirty and twenty-nine days, as opposed to secular months are either thirty and thirty-one or thirty-one days. Or right, well, or twenty-nine. Right, but um, Jewish months, the way they work is. 30 and 29. So if the previous month is 30 days, right, then the 30th day of the previous month and the first day of the upcoming month are Rosh Chodesh. As opposed to if the previous month had only 29 days, then the first day of the upcoming month is the only day of Rosh Chodesh. Does that make sense? It does. So, now, if this month has 29, this is 29 days, correct? I don't know. If this month is 29 days, is next month 30 days? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it always works like that. There, 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 there is some sort of. Uh, but you get two rosh hodeshes if it's twenty nine days. Right? No, if it's thirty days. Thirty days. Why count? Uh, days that's part of the previous month as if it were part of the first day of this month? That's a good question. I don't know. Well, probably because probably because the the chodesh the new month kicks in sometime on the thirtieth day of the previous month. That would make sense. Then that's the way it works. Yeah, so it kicks in some some at some point 
of uh, some day of the previous month. So it, indeed, it has to be counted towards the previous month because it's one and a half days, right? But the actual new month may have been on that day. I don't know. It's complex. It's a good question. Um, For a different... I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't realize it. Is it 7 instead of 6.30? Do you have another handout? I don't have any, any no, handouts. No, no, no. These are all... Yeah. These He's are just filling in. I thought everyone had handouts. I don't, I don't, I don't Did know. you come this day? It was Rabbi Wool. Last Wool, Wool, Wool Galantis. No, that was about three, four weeks ago. Yeah, that was. Probably. Yeah, during the wedding. Okay. No, no, not. That's a habit. So, Rabbi. Yeah. Um, yes. So, you're saying that every Shabbat is there. Exactly. It's going to be there no matter what. And it is We're a reality. We're the one moving exactly. into Shabbat. We're the one moving And what we, what we say, if you, if, you, if you examine the liturgy, the prayers of Shabbat, you'll see we're talking a lot about Maaseh Breshit. We're talking a lot about um, what happened on the original, on the first Shabbat. Because on a certain degree, when we experience Shabbat in a couple of days, we're experiencing the same, the same spiritual ideas that happened in the first Shabbat. And I'll tell you even more than that, uh, Malka. If you take a look at the end of the morning prayers, we have a different yeah. psalm for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yes. Wednesday, yes. Thursday, right? And yes. if you examine it, you can read up about this, every psalm is pertinent to the original seven days of creation. So Sunday, every Sunday, it's to, to a certain degree, we have the same spiritual entities of the first Sunday, of the first day of creation. And Monday, and that's why the psalm is different. Every the psalm is different every day because every day has a different spiritual energy to it, right? So that's on a weekly scale, all right. And uh, you know, but also throughout the year, when we look at Pesach, we don't look at it as a day of memorial. It's not a day of memorial. It's an important point. We're not. It's not memorial. It. We have the ability to tap into the same spiritual energy that existed at the time the Jews were leaving Egypt. So when we talk about the the uh, the plagues, right? Yeah. The plagues, um, uh, the 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 last plague, right? What happened on Pesach? Right? What was the last plague? Death of the firstborn. Mm-hmm. So um, my grandfather has an article about this, and he writes in his article. He says, "Why did the firstborn die? Why the first, Why not the secondborn? Why the lastborn? Why not the grandmothers? Why 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 firstborn?" Because you pass, you pass huh? everything to the firstborn. The first one is the one that takes it. Okay, so yeah, I'm saying there's lots of answers to this question. There's more firstborn than others. Well, that's a good point, also. But also, so just no. kill them all. I don't know, but why firstborn? And there's also there's also the Egyptian command. Egyptian, Egyptian, in Egyptian culture, the firstborn had a certain <laughs> stature. So we want to say, oh, uh, you know, that's that's not a Jewish belief, and the, for, specifically what they held. Be very valuable is specifically what went first. So Sephardics are like that too. Well, in, in Jewish law, it's also somewhat that we have preference to you know firstborn. But let me just finish this point. Um, and my grandfather writes is that firstborn children have greater spiritual sensitivity. And what happened was is that the Almighty gave a rush of spiritual energy to the world. The people that had that spiritual sensitivity, they were the ones who were able to perceive it. And it was too much for them, and that's why they died. It means it was a byproduct of the fact that firstborn have are more attuned to spirituality. Right? That's why they were the ones who were able to perceive the spiritual energy, and they couldn't handle it, and they died. And he writes that when we go back to Pesach, when we go back and we have the Seder, and we have the four cups and the four questions and the hot god down, right? What we're doing is we're reliving that spiritual energy that happened in Egypt. We're going back to the same place, tapping into the same, to you know, to the to the same uh, spiritual entity that was existing in in uh, in in Egypt. Because it happens at the same time. Exactly. Same it's not just a m- memorial. It's just this is the day when they signed a, a document. It's much more than that. So it's much deeper. Yes, Anne. I heard a Hasidic story in which a certain religious person came to his uh, his Rebbe and he said, how do I know that I'm really experiencing the spirituality of Shabbat and not just enjoying the meal and the singing and the other things that we do? 
And the Rebbe said, try celebrating Shabbat on a Wednesday. You know the story? The same way as you would on the real Shabbat. And if you feel it the same, that means it's the stuff that you're doing. And he came back afterwards and he says, it must be all physical because I felt it just the same. And the Rebbe said, no, your celebration was so spiritual that Shabbat left its home in heaven and came down especially to be with you. Hasidic story. <laughs> no, but there is a, the, the, the Talmud does say a story uh, that, uh, you know, in this, in this vein about Shabbat and it says that um, there was this, uh, I think, what, the Roman leader or whatever who said who somehow got his hands on some chant or some like, you know, some okay. Shabbos food and he's like, there's something so special and it's like, he said, he told the guy, he said, you know, teach me the recipe. He says, oh, there's a special spice. It's called Shabbos. <laughs> you can't have it otherwise. It's a special <laughs> spice that just, it only happens on Shabbos. You can't, you can't. He's like, what do you mean I have every spice in the world? Look at my spice rack. <laughs> but, okay, uh, have you yeah. ever tried show it when it wasn't Shabbos? Yeah, not for me. Oh, Thursday night has a... They have it here Thursday night. Yeah. I don't like it. Uh, Rabbi, so are you, are you buying into that, that the firstborn is more spiritual? Well, I'm buying. I'm. I'm. I yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, then, I mean, what happened between Esau and Isaiah then? Um, well, that's a good question. And I'll tell. Uh, what you saying, Jacob? Jacob, yes. You um, If you take a look at Rashi, like this is interesting. Rashi in the middle of Genesis. Rashi, no, Rashi gives a, an example. He says if you take a, um, if you were to take a, a bottle, a bottle, two liter bottle of Coca Cola, right, and saw off the top. Right, so all you have now is like a, you know, a vessel, right? So you put in two rocks, right, inside of them. This is Rashi. You put in two, you know, two, two rocks inside of them, okay? Inside of one bottle. Inside of one bottle. Now, which one of them did you put in first? Oh, you don't know. The one on the bottom, right? You put in one and they put in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Which one went in first? One of the bottom. The one on the bottom. Now take them out. Which comes out first? Which comes out first? The one on the top. The one on the top. That's what he says. He says that Jacob really was the older one. When Jacob, so, so to speak, usurped, oh when, he, when he usurped the, the brachot, he, um, he, um, he really, that's what Ashley says. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that he was, um, it might mean that he, he, this might have been an exception. You know, he was the, Asal really was the older one. And in, in, in Jewish law, we, the first person, first child to come out is the older one. Right, so w- what that Medrash might mean is that he was the more spiritually inclined. Um, Wasn't there also the story about during their birth, one of them stuck their hand out? And it was that was no, so Tamar's that, son. Right, so that's uh, that's uh, 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 Peretz and uh, what's the other one's name? Zerach and Peretz. Right, stuck his hand out. He got the strain and then pulled it back in. The other one. Right, um, that's the four beers of of the of the uh, of the of the Messiah. Right, Tamar. Right. No, also in the middle of Genesis. Oh, you mean because they were the ancestor of Ruth, and Ruth was the ancestor exactly. of the Exactly. Now, I want to um, Purim and Pesach, right, have a common theme. When we view these two holidays, right, we look at them in one, in, you know, in one prism, and that is the idea of redemption, of redemption, right? On Purim, the Jews were being, um, you know, there was a threat, a Jewish threat, that the Jews would be destroyed, on Pesach, similarly, the Jewish people were physically enslaved, but also spiritually enslaved to the Egyptians, right? And they were redeemed, right? There was redemption, right? The Talmud says that the Messiah is going to come on which month? On the month of Nisan, because Nisan is the month of redemption. This is, this, this is back to our, our previous point, is that the spiritual energy that happened yesteryear created a certain reality. And that's why when we come back to that same reality, we experience that's the, you know, the, the, the same spiritual effects. So this is a time where redemption, and this is also for us on a personal level. Another, another thing my grandfather writes is, is when you grow uh, spiritually, how do you do it? Small step, right? One small step at a time. Right? Why? Because if you try to jump, right? think of it as a ladder. If you try to four. jump three, 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 four runs at a time, you collapse and fall. It's always small, small steps. On Pesach is the one exception. Pesach, you're able to take quantum leaps, right? Giant leap for mankind, right? On Pesach. 
Why is that? Because what happened on Pesach, there was redemption. The Jewish people were at the lowest level, physically, but also spiritually. And boom, in one second, God just catapulted them onto the highest spiritual planes. Right? So much so that 50 days later, on on Shavuos, right? They were able to receive the Torah, but also have prophecy, have national revelation, prophecy. How that happened so quickly from being a slave, right, to being someone who was able to experience prophets, prophecy. That must have been a leap, right? This is a time that's spiritually um, potent for taking leaps. And that's why today, 2013, when we meet Pesach again, we know that we could experience that same leap because that spiritual energy that is the, 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 the spiritual reality that existed during the times of the Jewish people leaving Egypt is still around today. We come back to that same point in, uh, in, in reality. So that's, that's, that's Purim, that's Pesach. We're all familiar, uh, we're all familiar with the customs of Pesach. We have the Seder. The Seder is a time for us to strengthen our, our faith, to relive the story. Um, we have we know that we're, we're supposed to avoid um, chametz, right? Why do we avoid chametz? Well, chametz is things that are bloated up, right? Yeast expands everything, right? Um, we we talked about the the Talmud tells us that the yetsar hara, the evil inclination, is like chametz. It expands things. It makes us it makes things seem more appealing than they really are in real life, right? And it's also time for us, like we said, it's time for spiritual growth but also to recognize right, or that we need to avoid the chametz. We need to avoid the Yetzirah. We need to avoid this inflation, this yeast that makes everything seem so much bigger and so much more appealing and so much more exciting. That's another element, another theme of, 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 of Pesach. So we have redemption, we have spiritual growth, and we have the idea of avoiding um, avoiding. Uh, the chametz, avoiding the 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 the, uh, the, the yetzer. Now, now let's move on to the next to the next uh, part in the calendar, and that is the idea of Svirat Omer, right? Svirat Omer, which Svirat is, is is we look at at Purim Pesach as being once one like like really one theme, right? The idea of redemption, and now we're taking a bridge, right? And we have forty nine days from the beginning of Pesach until Shavuos, right? and we see it's sort of like a bridge, right? We see the Omer time as connecting the two holidays one to each other. We're all familiar with the idea of the 48 ways in which to acquire the Torah. right? This is a Mishnah at the end of Pirkei Avot, at the end of the cha- chapters or ethics of our fathers. It says that there's 48 ways to acquire the Torah. There has been a Jewish tradition that these 49 days correspond to the 48 Ways that one accomplishes the, that one is able to acquire the Torah. Why? Because it's all leading up to Shavuos. What happened on Shavuos? The, the Jews got the Torah. Now, why is the forty-nine days and only forty-eight ways to, to to acquire the Torah? Well, some people say that uh, there's one day as an introduction. Some people say that the last day is, is a conclusion or like a review. But either way, there's been this tradition because we view the uh, holiday of, of Purim and Pesach as being. The, the beginning, the gateway towards uh, towards accepting the Torah. So it all culminates in Torah. And even you know during the the, the the you know the Jewish people when they were leaving Egypt, it was it was, it was you know that, that's one idea to leave the bad, but also to accept the good. Fifty days later, that's the completion of the redemption. So we view Sirat Omer as a bridge. Yes. Yes, 48 ways to wisdom, absolutely, same thing. And there are people today, even today, that every day, Rabbi Wolby gave a 48 ways to wisdom. Rabbi Wolby taught those uh, 48 ways to wisdom. Um, You'll, uh, there are people today that, um, that every day of the Omer, of counting the Omer, they study one of the 48 ways, the corresponding one of the 48 ways to wisdom. Why? Because it's about pre- preparing for the holiday of, of Shavuos, of accepting the Torah. Yeah, well, that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, like, I, I think you could, 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 you
just by saying one extra sentence, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I'm uplifted somehow. You know? Yeah, but that, yeah. but you won. What you're you're highlighting the biggest, one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about about organized religion, and that's the idea of rituals, right? What about prayer? Prayer is also a ritual. You're saying the same thing, but it's trying. To, what we teach is that you have to take practice rituals, activities, and infuse them with meaning. That's what prayer is about, and that's what that's what that's what this is about as well. To take things which could be viewed as something that you're doing by rote, right? You're doing lip service. You're saying what you've been, what you're reading out of a book. You know, you're not even paying attention, and to try to actually. Put focus on it. Put kavanah. Put intention, and try. And, and that makes it meaningful. It's not. It's not. It's not the words. It's the. It's the emotion behind it. Isn't Sukkot in the middle of these two? No, Sukkot is, is after. Is after Sukkot Sukkot is October time. Yeah. Okay. It's after Rosh Hashanah. Oh, that's right. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and then Sukkot. Right. Chanukah. We did Purim. We did Pesach. Now we're doing Omer. Right. 33rd day of the Omer. I'm sorry. Lag Ba'omer. Everyone's heard that term? Right? That is uh, also a very significant day. Why is it significant? Well, well, we view it as significant because a few things. Number one, we have uh, the the tragedy that happened to the the students of Rabbi Akiva. He had 24,000 students. They did not have respect for one another to some degree. They died. There was a plague. They stopped dying on the 33rd day of... uh, of, uh, of, of the Omer. Uh, so we, we celebrate that. Uh, but additionally, we have the death of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who's one of the Tanaim. He's the author of the Zohar. And this is the day where we celebrate, where we, 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 we live, um, or, or we, we go through the same spiritual entities that, uh, that, um, that define Torah Tanistar, it's the hidden Torah. The ideas of Kabbalah, of Jewish mysticism. Now, I want to point out that uh, I've mentioned this before. I have a controversial opinion alert, and that's that. That's that. You know, I think Kabbalah, you know, Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, you know, has been defiled in today's generation. You know, I meet people that don't know any Torah, right? Are ignorant when it comes to Torah. But claim to say, oh yeah, the Kabbalah, the Sefirot, and Keter, and Malchut, and and, and it's and it's taking the deepest, uh, deepest ideas in Judaism and the the simpletons, the people that know nothing, the people that are not at all engaged in spiritual growth, they take it, they learn learn it on the most superficial level, and uh, it does nothing for them, and and you know just does nothing for us as well. So is Kabbalah strictly Jewish? Yes, Kabbalah is the Jewish message. The real Messiah. The real Kabbalah. So why yes. is so many... Because it's exciting. It's sexy. Kabbalah is sexy. Right? It's... it's yeah. It's, 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 it's a fad. Huh? Does, it, does that mean that you brought sexy back? Yeah. I'm saying it's... it's, it's it, you know, we... In many points in history... Um, Judaism was a was a sexy religion. That's why people were all interested. Why Muhammad was courting the Jews, right? The Romans were fascinated with you know with with uh, with, with because we're different. You know, uh, we introduce a lot of novel ideas that are you know, and Kabbalah is very it's very sexy. It's a good word to describe it. It's it, you know it's it's, mm. it's 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 novel. It's fascinating, right? Mysterious, and mystical. Right, mystical. Yeah. You add you add the element of, of mystique to it. So yes, and you know it's a very appealing to people who want a spiritual crutch. Yes. There was a Christian preacher, John Chrysostom, or something like that, who said the most powerful things against Jews. But the reason he said them, as you can see from his sermons, is that the Christians in those days were attending Yom Kippur services, um, just trying to get to the real thing, and they wanted them to stop and just do Christian. Yeah, I'm saying uh, uh, Martin Luther, right? He started off as being very positive to the Jews. Not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther. Um, um, you know, the Protestants, very positive. He became a virulently anti-Semitic. You know, it, they always liked that, you know, people trying to court the Jews want the Jews involved, want to, uh, you know, merge religions with Jews. And Jews are, have always been uh, resistant to towards diluting our religion, and therefore people turn it down. Muhammad is a great example. You know, the first Muslims, they prayed towards Jerusalem. 
right? Their day of rest was Saturday, right? And then they just, you know, because they were trying to court the Jews. You know, the, the, even the term Medina, the city Medina, mm-hmm. is most likely been influenced by, you know, because the word, the Hebrew word Medina is a city or a state, you know. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a coincidence that that city, that Islamic city, is called Medina as well. Yeah, so that's the way it works. Once the Jews don't accept it and aren't willing to partner, right, with other religions, right, or to, to blend in with other religions, so then people, there's always a, a kickback, yes. So I just, I've always had, mainly, I guess maybe, maybe because I converted 25 years ago and I married my wife, but I've always had a little bit of aggravation within every time hear that Jewish people oppose expansion in, term, in terms of trying to reach for non-Jews to become Jews. Now, obviously, as a, when I was born as a Christian, it was a, it was a given that from the get-go, people were taught that there were many missionaries that would go out to preach, right? And to try to gather more people. And then when you look at the numbers in terms of millions of people that live in this world, you realize that the Muslims expand, you know, the Christians expand, you know, and obviously the, the, the Jewish people, I mean, obviously they, they grow within, but why is it that there is no expansion? How come we don't proselytize? How come yeah. we don't missionize? Yeah, How come yeah. we don't... <laughs> and your question is, yeah, Rich, what do you want to add? I mean, I think that we're the only tradition, though. We're the only religion that not only has rules for how we're to behave, but we also have rules for them that show them how to live a good ethical life. And the question is, why do we want to give those goyim the additional burden? I mean, instead of having the seven Noahide laws, they have 613 commandments. And if you look at the seven Noahide laws, those are tough enough. So it's like... Well, why do you want to burden somebody else with the additional well, 606? I don't call it burden. I don't think that's no. it. An opportunity. Like, why isn't it given the opportunity? See, um, I, I think that the it's our view, our view on, on our religion has always been that we're going to be a light to the nations, right? You heard the term, right? That's Jeremiah, right? We're going to be the model, right? We're held to the highest standard. We have responsibility for humanity. Right? That's a Jewish idea. We're responsible for humanity. And therefore, we're saying, okay, we're going to be on the highest level, the most ethical, rigid standards known to men. That's what we're going to do. Right? If you want to join us, you're more than welcome to. Right? We, accept, we accept converts. Right? But we don't have this vision of taking over the world. We don't believe in that. That, 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 you know, that's what and, you know. Christians trying to missionize, and we know Islam is very much has you know has this vision. To no, but, no, but has this vision of being a a a, yeah. uh, worldwide. a, a worldwide religion, forcing the religion on other people. Forcing. We don't believe in that. We say we're going to be a model for world for, for mankind. We're we're going to be the we're the chosen people, right? We uh, we we get the Torah. It's the most precious piece of information we have that we know the world right? we're able to connect to God in a way that no other people are able to we're, and we're going to be used as a model for mankind we're going to be the ones who are going to bring mankind towards perfection but we're not going to we're not we, we, we will not and we have not uh, we don't have this uh, manifest destiny that we need to we need to um, uh, we need to um, or even want to um, uh, you know, try to uh, force our will on other people. And we don't claim that people who don't join us are going to hell. Right, exactly. Well, here's a question. Did, have you, did you have an Orthodox conversion? Yes, I mean, it was... Well, see, if you don't... No, I'm not saying asking you that for, no, to be no, mean, but do we recognize somebody who does not have an Orthodox conversion as being Jewish? Well, this is this is something that we don't... Uh, this is this is something that that Let like you know uh, there's different standards for conversions and um, you know that's why this is something that you know Torch specifically is always trying to avoid you know this is we leave it to the rabbis you know that's right. okay 
you know, we don't do conversions. We don't partake in it. It's a sticky subject, um, and therefore we don't have a stance on that issue. Uh, but yes, there are different standards uh, for conversions. You know, um, you know, reform obviously has a less strict conversion or requirement than conservative. Um, and conservative, you know, the Orthodox, and even in Orthodox, there's different, there's different degrees of, 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 you know, of, of, of strictness that they that they demand before the before the conversion actually happens. Yes, that is true. Um, but no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This is hey, this is this is an open forum, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, User friendly. Uh, Wobby. So there is anybody um, you can convert. To. No, but we don't. We don't encourage, that, right? No, I mean, if you went to whoever it is, somebody in Israel who's very strict, there might be another group in Israel that wouldn't regard your conversion. So there are there are efforts in Israel, uh, or even the United States, to try to come up with one standard. For, oh, so this is I'm saying right conversion. Conversion is is one issue, and then you have marriage and divorce. And these are lots of things, lots of issues. It's not. It's, this is just one minor part of, of of the conflicts that arise with 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 these uh, you know splinters that happened in the Jewish uh, the Jewish uh, community uh, a couple hundred years ago. It's, it's very unfortunate, but you have you know you'll have uh, marriages that are validated by one group and not by the other group because this. You know the the Talmud is very strict requirements of what it means to be married. So if you just you don't have that, then according to people that follow halacha, you you're not married. And what about divorce? You know, um, I, I know that um, um, there's a fellow by the name of Rabbi Greenblatt who comes in from Memphis. He's a 90 year old rabbi, but he's awesome, and he does he does uh, divorces for people who want a kosher. Uh, like a kosher divorce. Does everybody recognize these divorces? Well, he, he does it on the, the high standards. But he said that he went to Beth Yishurn, and he was very angry about this. He went to Beth Yishurn, and he says, um, I want to do you divorces for your community, because make sure, because otherwise, if they don't have a kosher divorce, according to, according to law, they're married. If she has kids, they're mamzerim, right? Mm-hmm. Those, you know, those are the, you know, she cannot marry anyone else until she has a proper divorce. Mm-hmm. So they said, oh, how long does it take to get a divorce? They said, 45 minutes, because there's a process. And there's, you know, there's a certain document that's written in a very specific way. There's all these laws outlined in the book called Maseches Kitten. Right? And he said, oh, it's too long for us. Too long. Too long. 45 minutes is too long. And he's like, these people spent their whole life, dedicated life to each other. They got married till death to us part. Now they're getting divorced, and they don't have, they can't have 45 minutes to make, make sure that they get divorced in a proper way. Very angry about it. But yes, uh, the, there there is the unfortunate reality. He's the get rabbi. Yeah, the yeah. get rabbi. Right, and he, 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 he came here. All the time he comes here. Wait, wait, wait. So he comes here just for divorcing? So yeah, people divorces. who wants to get divorced will have to wait until he comes here? Yes. No, he comes all the time. He comes uh, all the time. Yeah, but I mean, you have to come here when he's here. Um, so you cannot get, you cannot divorce people. You yourself. Oh, I, I don't know the laws. It's complicated laws. It's very complicated. And, uh-huh. and, 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 and there's an additional stipulation in the Talmud in Gittin 6a that says that someone who does not know the laws really well shouldn't get involved in laws of divorce and laws of marriage. This is a complex laws. You, want to, you don't want to screw it up. You know, in Israel, in Israel uh, thankfully, there's one standard. You know, and, that's, and that's really good because it, it prevents all the... Um, you know all the conflicts that arise where you have someone who's divorced, or is there, are they divorced? Are that divorced? Are they married? Are they not married? Are they converted? Are they not converted? It's 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 you know it, it's 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 really it's really it's a big challenge to the community when you have this 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 uh, splintering. So Israel doesn't have Israel secondary has, divorces. No, well Israel no Israel has the rabbinate, um, and the rabbinate controls all marriages, divorces, all those things, conversions, all so, done under one so, umbrella. So like yeah, it's all right. They have the the rabbinate, and therefore there's uniformity. And is, the, is, is that kind of the same that we have the Beit Din? Yeah, but the Beit Din that you have here is not associated with the Beit Din in uh, I don't know Kansas City, right? Yeah. In Israel, it's all one oh, organization. Oh, okay. okay, so that's the why Beit if you want to get married, Houston, not even exactly Texas. right. There's there's Houston. a government. The Israeli government has something called a rabbinate, right? The rabbanut it's called in Hebrew, right? and the rabbanut oversees. All marriage, divorce, conversions, everything, right? Anyhow, but that's uh, that's a good point that you brought up there. Um, Thank you. I didn't even know.
So what about like people like me that I got married in Venezuela um, by, I think, two rabbis? And then I have to get married here as the law, civil, but but there was another rabbi that married. So I'm, I, I was married by three rabbis. So I need, we're not going to get divorced, but I got married by three rabbis. So does that, I mean, is that? Okay, so, the more rabbis um, you get married from, the um, more... No. <laughs> yeah, the more the better. It's actually a... I'm like real male. One of the, uh, one of the great halachic personalities of the past hundred years... He wrote an argument. His name is Rabbi Hankin. He wrote an argument um, that because in order to get married, you have to have two kosher witnesses. I don't want to get into all the laws of what determines a kosher witness versus not kosher. You have to have two kosher witnesses. It has to be done in a very specific way. There's certain intentions that have to be in mind. It's a complicated process. And ostensibly, if someone would not have that, if someone got married and there was only one kosher witness or for whatever reason it was a bad marriage, well, then they're not married and they're living together. And, they, you know, it's really not that bad because, uh, you know, extra, not extra marital, but um, out of wedlock is not the, really the worst thing in halacha. Uh, but it's still, it's unfortunate. The people that think they're married, they're not really married. So he wanted to argue in his essay that if people are living together as, as married people and they think they're married and they had an intention to get married and they had... Uh, you know everything. You know everyone assumes that they're married. Then though that assumption that that everyone knows that they're married, everyone knows that they're together, everyone knows they have kids together, they're living together, they're sleeping together, everything, right? That could supplant the need for two specific witnesses. It means when you have the whole multitude of people as witnesses, that would be enough, and they would get married even though they even though they don't know they're getting married. So my kids should. Yeah, every so bad two witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> what do you consider as a kosher, though? What kosher? So there's laws about that. Like how kosher is kosher for the witnesses? Uh, there's, there's a lot of I, I spent many months. Orthodox. I spent many uh, many weeks actually studying this law. So if you take a look at Sanhedrin twenty four B in the Mishnah, it will tell you what is a wit right. What are not kosher witnesses and what are kosher witnesses and everything's organized. Everything makes sense and everything's there. Right? The information is all there. Well, how do you have a kosher witness? What if what if they're related? What if they're not? Right? It says if someone uh, plays dice, or if someone is a gambler, they're not mm-hmm. a kosher witness. If someone, uh, according to one opinion, if <laughs> I'm out of here, <laughs> if someone, you just don't have to be if someone, to. if someone works on shemitah on this on shemitah, uh-huh. you know, they're not a kosher witness. Okay. Shemitah is a seventy seven years. The land is supposed to lie fallow. If, if they're a farmer, right, 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 right. Someone, right. Well, you'd almost have to give them like a, a, an inquisition before they became. Do you gamble? Do you does your field bear? I mean, so you get two rabbis. That's it. That's why it's complex, right? Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that things have to be done in a certain way if you want to live up to certain standards. They have to be shomer mitzvah, shomer kashrut, Right. They have to exactly right. They cannot. And uh, you Let's know, do one thing at a time. Yes. Anyhow, moving right along. So what do we have? What are we up to? We're up to uh, break. Yeah, break. We're done. Break. Six thirty. Yeah, we're supposed to break now for a little while. Okay, but I want to. I want to. I want to well, finish the calendar. If you want to, we said if we didn't want to, we didn't have. Oh, I want to finish the calendar, then we'll have a break. How's that? Okay. Finish the calendar, we'll have a break. Okay. Shavuos, we know Shavuos is two things. Number one, it's the beginning of the Jews getting the Torah, right? On Shavuos, we got the Ten Commandments. But additionally, Shavuos is a day when we had a national revelation. It's also a day that cemented our faith. Faith and Torah are two separate things. And um, our faith was cemented because we saw with our own eyes the Almighty. We had prophecy. We heard Him. We experienced things like a prophet experiences, right? It's something that has never been replicated in the history of mankind, right? We have millions of people experiencing prophecy as one. So Shavuos is a day of not only the culmination of the Jewish uh, uh, redemption, right? But also it's a day of um, the Torah acceptance, but also it finalized, it cemented our faith. Next thing on the list is the seventeenth day of Tammuz, right? The seventeenth day of Tammuz is one of the fast days. Why do we fast on, on the seventeenth day of Tammuz? Our sages say that there's really five reasons why we do that. Reason number one, right, 
If you take a look at the 17th day of Tammuz and you subtract 40 days from it, you'll find out that the 40 days before the 17th day of Tammuz was the 6th day of Sivan, which is the day of Shulis. So what does the Torah tell us? Moses went up to heaven. He spent 40 days in heaven. He came back down. And what did he find the Jews doing? Golden calf. Golden calf. So if you do the math, 40 days is the 17th, 40 days from the 6th day of Sivan, right, to the following month is the 17th day of, of Tammuz, right? He came back, the Jews were doing the golden calf on that day. First tragedy that happened on that day. And uh, in the second temple, right, they stopped giving sacrifices on this day. The walls of Jerusalem were breached in the year 70, right, of the destruction. The walls of Jerusalem were breached on this day as well. Idols were set up in the in in the in the temple, right, on this day as well. And the last thing that happened on this day, the last tragedy that happened on this day, is uh, the Esifah Torah was burnt by one of the Roman uh, commanders. And uh, therefore, so many bad things happened on this day that the sages said, this is a terrible day. This is a day of negative spiritual energy. And to counteract that, we have a fast day. And the fast day has special prayers. Fast day, fast day has a day of reflection. It's a day of tshuva in order to undo or to combat the negative energy that had happened of all those terrible things that happened on that day. Yes? When is it? It was actually last... Uh, what 25th. was it? It was the, basically the 20th of June. 20th of June. It was like, what, a week ago? This class lasts, right? Yeah. My wife? Yeah. yeah. Susan fast. I did too. That's not. I did too. Two weeks ago on Tuesday. The beginning of the three weeks. Right, exactly. Yes. And then that's what Saz did I. And that day, good point, that day brings in three weeks. The beginning of those three weeks is the seventh day of Tammuz. We said there's five terrible things, five tragedies that happen. And the end of those day is Tishabov, the granddaddy of them all. And if you notice that I have a, somewhat of a, uh, beer. of a beard, and the reason why is because during these times, one of the one of the, one of the laws is that you shouldn't take, uh, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't uh, shave. We shouldn't. We don't listen to music during these. Mm-hmm. It's a day. It's a solemn time. We're trying to tone down a little bit um, during these uh, so during these days. Get a haircut right before. Yeah, or you go like me, just go like Jufro. <laughs> Nine Nine years has been growing a while. Nine days, It's like nine years. It's been nine months. Now, these three weeks culminate in obviously the worst day of the Jewish calendar. And over millennia, over millennia, this day has been a day of tremendous tragedy and sorrow. Starting with the year... um, well, 1312, right? 3,300 years ago. We have the spies coming back from Israel. Mm-hmm. What happens when spies come back from Israel? They complain. Yeah. Right? Everyone cries. We talked about this in the, in, in the, uh, in the history class. They yeah. cried needlessly. No says the Almighty, you cried needlessly. I'm going to make that this day you're going to cry needfully. And like we said, the way we view the calendar is that days have spiritual realities. And that is, and Tishbab has a negative spiritual reality. So bad things are, are prone to happen during this day. Right? Parents have been using that line ever since. Uh huh. Parents have been using that line ever since. Yeah, what? You want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. Exactly. Exactly. It's exactly, it's exactly what it says. My uh, Zadie's uh, your side and Brad's Bobby's your side. But even as recently as 1943. 1943, the liquidation of the Warsaw Ghetto, um, the Inquisition in 1492, mm-hmm. all these major events, right? All on on, on, uh, on the ninth day of Av. Um, two temples were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and about 100 years ago, the um, the Archduke was assassinated, which brought on the First World War. Uh, exactly, it's also true. The Second World War and, and the Holocaust. That's another good point. Baba, is the nine of Av Always the same day. What do you mean? Like the Hebrew calendar. Yeah, the fifteenth of what? 
no, no, the night, night day of Bob. Bob. Oh, no, it changes. The uh, the secular day changes. Yeah. Of course, like we said, it's number yeah, 11 yeah, days yeah, off. Yeah, I'm com- yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're right. <coughs> 17 of Tammuz, negative energy. Uh-huh. Ninth of Ab, very negative energy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, you're saying that in between three weeks? Yeah, uh, think, well, think about it like this. I mean, why are they connected? In the year, se- in the year 70, right, was the years of the destruction of the temple. Right. Now, there was a siege around Jerusalem. It was a siege. They breached the wall on the 17th day of Tammuz. They actually burnt the temple on the 9th day of Av. What do you think they were doing in the, in the meantime? Were they just sitting around and eating shawarma? No. They were slaughtering and they were um, you know, raping, they were pillaging, and they were murdering. The answer is yes. So yes. Exactly. Exactly. So these three weeks. Huh? And we're in it. And we're in it right now. Exactly. And we're, we're in it right now. <laughs> and next Tuesday night, right next, well, well, that's Monday night. This is actually the ninth day of Av is, is unique. That it's a fast day, but the fast starts from the previous yeah. previous day, right? So it starts on Monday night. So it starts on Monday night, and it's a twenty four hour fast, so like Yom Kippur. We're already in the nine days now, then. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, so we <coughs> right? Uh, right? Then, right, like I said, it, it, it reached a oh, crescendo okay. on, uh, or it, it you know. It, Kept them getting worse and worse, and like the nine days are are also we we don't eat meat, um, we don't drink wine. No, I don't know, maybe because because we, we enter the month. You know, the Talmud says that when the month of Av starts, we decrease in simcha and joy, right? So it may be because of this month. It may not be specific to the day, the first day of the month, but rather the fact that we moved on from the month of Tammuz the month of Av, and the month of Av has in it the ninth day of Av, which is the worst day in the Jewish calendar. Therefore, uh, we elevate our degree of of, uh, of mourning, and we don't, and we refrain from uh, from you know, you know from eating meat, like you said, drinking wine. Um, what I'll tell you is, that the job is correct. What I'll tell you is that according to these different traditions here, according to the custom, according to the Sephardic Jews, they actually wait till the week that Tishba falls out in order to. Uh, have this higher degree of of mourning. So, um, if you're a Sephardic Jew, Sephardic Jews eat meat today, tomorrow, the next day, no problem. What if you're you have a baby boy and it's right? So if there's if, you right, need to have a bris and if they, it's the night of Av, if there's there are there are exceptions to that. You're allowed to have a bris. Okay. Um, we don't do weddings during this time. During these whole three weeks, we don't do weddings. Okay. Uh, but a bris or a seum when someone completes a, a tractate of Talmud. Mm. That it warrants them having a party uh, with so wine, and, right? Exactly. For those occasions. Now, the ninth day of Av, we said it starts from the the eve, right? It starts from the, the, the night before. It goes through the whole day, and uh, actually, it actually extends into the tenth day of Av until like midday. In the tenth day of Av, we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't take haircuts. We don't listen to music. Why is that? Because the temple was actually burning. It started, you know, the burning started. The the ninth of Av, but it continued and overlapped into the tenth of Av, and therefore it's it's also a day uh, of of mourning, of collective mourning. Uh, so is, the, is that it? Or we have uh, the the fifteenth day of Av, which is somewhat of a happy day. You know, it was a day actually uh, that's there was some so you know it's a day of Jewish uh, speed dating. You can read about it. Yeah, speed dating. Uh, you have a. That's the fifteenth. No, that's the fifteenth of Av. You better not do that on the night. Uh, in order to get ready for the new year, never. Well, yeah. What happened? Yeah, it's a good day. It was I speed dating because uh, what the Talmud says is that they, on the fifteenth day of Av, all the girls would and all the guys would all meet and they would have a, you know, they would. You know, They're ready. Is that yeah, what they dance in the vineyards? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the lives of seniors kind of. Whatever. I don't know. Scandal. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, are they kind of suspended that day? No, because well, I guess for the... Pr- I don't know. It's a good question. But um, what it ha- actually happened yeah. is unclear. But what made it... It seems like the girls were saying, oh, look at us, and the Jewish girls are so beautiful, and, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's like a, day. a Valentine's Day for the Jewish it's people. Valentine's Day. Sadie Hall can do that. Jewish Valentine's Day? Jewish Valentine's Day. Well, that's like saying a little sandwich because we did it first. Well, I mean, their later 
something that we do first. Yeah. Because it's do you have a better name for it? I know, but I'm just objecting to it and saying that we should know our own so stuff and not name it after And uh, the, last, the last important element in the Jewish calendar is a month. It's a whole month, a month called Elul, the last month of the Jewish calendar. Elul. And Elul, we view Elul as a preparation for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah Kippur are days of, of repentance, are days of of introspection, of days uh, are days of assessing who we are as individuals, cataloging who we are, uh, uh, you know, where we're holding in life, what we're trying to accomplish in life, and in everything, everything spiritual cannot be successful unless it has a preparation. You can't just jump into something; it doesn't happen like that. Not in spiritual, not in spirituality. You have to prepare for something if you want to maximize it. If you want to maximize Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as days of repentance, as days of personal growth, as days of introspection, as days of assessment, who you are as an individual, right? To really catalog your life, where you're holding, where you want to be, what's stopping you, what's preventing you, how do you come up with strategies and tactics to remove those blockades and really try to maximize life? You have to have days of preparation. That's why the days of Elul are dedicated. We have the Slichot. Right? Those are all dedicated to try to be uh, to uh, to be opportune opportunities to um, you know familiarize ourselves with uh, familiarize ourselves with ourselves and 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 take these times to you know focus on what's really important in life. Yes. If you go to the morning service during Elul, you get to hear the shofar. Right. That's why we have the shofar. Exactly. What Maimonides writes. Well, why do we have shofar? Because shofar is. Awakens, awakens us, right? Wake up. Wake up from your slumber. Wake up. What's important in life? Exactly. So Rambam brings that down. Who's the rabbi that has the uh, daily things that he sends out during Elul and all the way up through Jacobson? I don't know. What do you mean? Yeah. 